Have you ever scrambled with thoughts on how you were going to entertain your guest at your big event or big event that you were hosting? Why not treat your amazing guest with live music? Allow me to personally recommend to you a saxophonist that's guaranteed to bring his best every time he performs. Verl Tolbert is his name. His bilanguage, his enthusiasm, his smile will tell you his story. Verl played at my wedding and he was also a guest on this podcast, episode number four. A natural entertainer and talented musician, Verl T, the perfect choice for all events and special occasions, playing smooth jazz, R&B, neo-soul, blues, pop, and gospel music are his passion. Saxophonist Verl Tolbert is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and has been playing saxophone for over 15 years. Verl T plays alto, soprano saxophone, electric wind instrument, also known as the iwi, with a heavy dose of soul. Allow Verl T to help make your event something super special. For booking information, navigate to verlt.com. That's Verl spelled V-E-A-R-L, the letter T, dot com. Thank you so much for tuning in to Defining Moments Podcast. Get on social media. Find us on Instagram at Defining Moments Podcast. On Twitter at Def Moments Pod. That's at D-E-F Moments Pod. We're on all sorts of podcasting platforms from Google to iTunes to iHeartRadio to Spotify. Search Defining Moments Podcast. Like it, subscribe to it. We're also on YouTube so you can see the video edition. Search Defining Moments Podcast. Like it, subscribe to it if you believe in it. And no matter what, show some appreciation today, every day, because someone is always rooting you on. Here we go. Welcome back to Defining Moments Podcast. My name is Wong Lam, and today's very special guest is the captain of the Missoula County Sheriff's Department, Missoula County, Montana. Captain Burt, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Absolutely. I remember watching some live, P- I'm a live PD fan. My wife is too. And we obviously have watched for the last two, two, three years and saw some episodes with you on. And every time I fly to my brother's uh, house in Washington state, off to the right of the map in Montana, I see Missoula. And so I was like, Hey, that'd be kind of cool if I could ever meet up with the captain himself. This is the second best thing. So here we are. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. PD thing has been a lot of fun. It's uh, um, was not anything like I uh, like I expected. Um, you know, those uh, the TV crews that are out here riding around with us are incredibly professional people. They really know their jobs well, and it was surprising to me to see and find out how much they actually know about what we do. Did a really good job of staying out of the way, recognizing dangerous situations, not putting themselves and getting themselves in the middle of what we're doing. So. Um, it, it's really been a, while they were here, it was a great partnership and it was really a positive experience overall for, for our office and, and for our community. That's awesome. Well, at least a question I've been curious about. So it's a two-part question. The first part of it is, what's a misconception about law enforcement? It's 2020. I feel like there's misconceptions out there. What's a couple of misconceptions that you can identify? Uh, boy, they, it depends on the context in which you're asking that question, but it really is not an, uh, that, that us versus them. I think that the, the greatest thing that this show probably portrays is 
it kind of humanizes the batch that that um, the vast majority of people all across this country that are doing this type of work are really in it for the right reasons. They're right. They're, they're, they're trying to make their community safer. They're, they really are there to protect and serve. They really are there for public safety reasons. It isn't to fulfill some ego. It isn't to, uh, to go out and hurt people. It isn't to make people's lives more miserable. Um, you know, unfortunately, the, the situations that are, uh, we, we see with social media or even the regular media um, are those that are the unusual, but they're the ones that are always broadcast. And those are the stories that are always told. The, the humanizing stories are the ones that are less likely told. People that are cops are people, and they have all the exact same problems that, that everybody else has. Um, we have people in our families that are uh, drug addicts, alcoholics, um, that run into problems with the law. Those are those are emotional. Those are real real problems that that we face, but can't really bring that into what we're doing every day, um, and and have to try to keep that separate and try to keep our emotions out of that. That's the big scale thing. I and mean, some of the some of the smaller misconceptions um, is that is that there there's really the whole concept and the idea behind the thin blue line. Um, Law enforcement's changed a lot in the almost 30 years that I've been involved. And uh, what that means, the thin blue line means today is a lot different from what it was in the past. And there might have been, uh, where there wasn't as much oversight and social media wasn't out there. We, I don't think that corruption is not, is really not a part of any, any, any type of modern day law enforcement. Uh, the people that are doing this job have good moral compasses and are people of character and integrity. And, and, uh, and there's, of course, there's always the exception, but they, it's not a, it's, they're, 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 we're out here for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the office that I'm currently involved with, the sheriff's office, I've been with Missoula for about 15 years now. And I, I'll just say that they're, they're some of the, the, not not as far as cops go, but as far as people. They're some of the finest men and women I've, I've ever known. That's awesome. Speaking of Thin Blue Line, I got to reach over here and grab something real quick. So I'll get your address here. Well, I have your address, but we'll be sending you one of our official Defining Moments podcast t-shirts. Fantastic. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get your size a little bit. And then also we have our special edition Thin Blue Line Defining Moments hat. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll be sending you those in the mail here in the next couple of days. Thank you. Absolutely. Actually, we thank you and thank you for the services you do for the country, your community, obviously. And do you feel like with Live PD bringing a, a more humanized perspective to law enforcement, how has that helped your community? Uh, you know, I think one of the reasons that and I can't totally speak for the network. Uh, in fact, I can't speak for them at all, but I, I think one of the reasons that they liked Missoula is it, it was a fresh perspective to the different types of law enforcement that, that actually occurred. Um, a lot of the stuff that you see are people running and gunning and chasing car chases and, and, you know, dog bites and, and the excitement. But I think we brought something a little, a little different to it with some of, we have all of that. There's no question. we, uh, I can I can match up call for call uh, anything that anybody's gone through. I mean, some of the most horrific things 
but we get some pretty unique calls as well um, with our search and rescue units and and uh, the amount of wildlife bears in houses, you know, sneaking into somebody's car, getting into their porch, uh, you know, deer who get their antlers locked up in different things. And, and uh, so the, the wildlife brings a, a whole different aspect to it. What we've been able to do, what Life PD did for us, what we've been able to do through Life PD is show a little bit of that to um, show a little bit of that to the world. Uh, because I mean, I, I have people that, Follow me, and, and, and that I'm in communication with from from everywhere that uh, that, that, that see this show and, and recognize that we're just a little bit different than everybody else that, that has been um, that, that's been highlighted or, or um, been on the been on the program. Yeah, and you're right. The wildlife pictures that you tweet are actually really awesome because obviously I follow you on Twitter, and then more recently, the last uh, few weeks. Uh, a month and a half, your your tweets every day talking about being a part of something, part of life, a part of the day, being great. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, you know, I've um, recognized early on that there, there was an opportunity through social media. I didn't even have, I had Twitter for a while, but I never used it before, before Life PD. And so um, all of a sudden, I mean, that really exploded with from, you know, one to two followers to to over 12,000 in a relatively short period of time and really realized that that was a, a great way to, to reach out and stay connected with people and, and, uh, and, and continue to humanize the badge and um, be able to answer most questions in a more direct manner. And um, I, I've had Facebook for a long time and I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't utilizing the power of Facebook for that, but it's, it's been a great way to connect with not just um our community members, but people from all across the country. Yeah, yeah. I We feel honored that you've given us the time of day here in Oklahoma to do this podcast with you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you asked me to do it. I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm humbled to do it. It's, uh, with the, the minute I heard about it, I was uh, jumped on board right away. I was glad to, glad to be part of it. This is awesome. Yeah, so... As far as the misconception, we talked about that and, and how L, Live PD has brought a different perspective to your community, how you actually gain traction and, and use your platform to educate us, the general public, about Missoula County. So what's a good place to eat in Missoula County? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I've had I've had an opportunity to do some dignitary protection uh, over the over the past four or five years with um, the election leading up to uh, to Donald Trump being elected. So Bernie Sanders was in town. Um, uh, the president was was here a couple years ago, um, rallying support for uh, uh, one of the state candidates. And so I've had an opportunity to work a lot with the Secret Service people. And uh, those folks are always, um, you know, they're jumping ahead on wherever the next venue is going to be, or they're staying behind cleaning up from the last one. So they, they get around quite a bit. And um, I've had an opportunity to bring, to bring them to some, uh, to some of the different restaurants around Missoula. And uh, the, one that, the one that really stands out is a place called The Depot, uh, where it's more, of a, it's more of a fine dining type of place. So you can get a little bit of everything there. But um, I've always, I'm always telling people that, that come here, 
that if you go to the depot, you will get a prime rib that you will never forget. It'll be just about the best, the best chunk of meat that you're ever, ever, ever going to taste. Um, I think a lot of people go into that with doubts and they come out of there absolutely convinced. That's awesome. I love steak. It, beef is what's for dinner for me. I love it. It's, it's incredible. Um, it's, it's not, Missoula, I guess, is, there's, a, there's a lot of diversity in Missoula. Uh, we, uh, you, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of different places that, you know, the, the Cafe Rios and um, the, the, the chain type of things that, it, that are really good. That, but if you do get, if you do get to Western Montana, uh, my hometown of Butte, Butte's pretty unique for food. Um, it's, it's really not that far from here, but they have uh, something from the mining days uh, called a pasty. And uh, they're a meat and potato filled type of, uh, uh, in, in a dough that, that the miners would, would bring to work. And they're pretty, they, they've extended into Missoula, but it really is a, a, it really is something that I want to say originated in Butte. It was kind of an Irish thing, but it, it, um, it really took off there. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of great restaurants in, in, uh, in both Butte and Missoula. Yeah. What a, when you look back at your life, let's say 13, 14, 15 years ago, what what's your journey like as far as from beginning to where you are now as the captain of the sheriff's office? Um, you know, I, I there was a time early on, I was born and raised in Butte and, and I was very, uh, very interested in law enforcement from a very young age. Actually, about four and a half years old, I, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I, I've shared with essentially uh, the world now through through Life PD and some of the interviews that I, my mom, my uh, a, a guy broke into our house when I was about four and a half. And my mom, and uh, was was a pretty terrifying experience. Uh, I was, uh, I, I remember quite a bit about it, even at that young of an age. And I still remember the, the feeling of relief that the, uh, the, the sensation of relief when, when, when the cops got there, um, the, the feeling of safety and, and as, as time went on, I mean, even the following days and weeks, I mean, I, I looked up to them. I looked up to the cops I and mean, they were the guys that were going to give the guy that hurt my mom and they were going to be the guys that, that were going to keep us safe and uh i really was really was uh, uh admired admired them i i mean they were they were my heroes in that particular instance um as i grew up in that community and i started getting through uh, my into my high school years and could start driving and getting around on my own i started to develop relationships with some of the local police officers and particularly uh, there was two or three in particular that I was bugging every weekend. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go out and ride with them and spend as much time as I could. I there was a time I would have done this job for free. I it just it was it was great being out there. It was great from learning from these guys. Um, I got into this pretty idealistic, thinking that you're going to save the world. Uh, you, that that uh, would only to find out that a lot of times you're you're you're, you're faced you're you're equipped with a band aid to take care of an arterial wound. Uh, it's it's uh, you know a lot of a lot of things that are going on are significant 
uh, problems that are going on in families that have taken uh, weeks and months and even sometimes years to develop. And we have very short periods of time to come in and try to deal with that. And all we can really do is apply what what the statute allows us to do, do, do what the law allows us to do. Um, and then I think it's important to be able to uh, be smart with your resources, understand what those are so that you can direct people to those. Um, but it really, it, it, I, I would say the biggest way that has changed in the years that I've been doing it, and I started my, I started my career in 1992, uh, is that the amount of the different types of hats that you have to wear. In 1992, you wore the hat of a deputy sheriff and you responded to calls and um, you know you you knew what your resources were and you directed people to where they needed to go. Well, as things have developed, um, restrictions have gotten greater in schools about what teachers can do. Um, some of the group homes, they're really restricted. All they can do is call us. So you, you take on the role of a... Uh, um, Parents are more afraid to discipline their kids because of because of uh, if you spank your kid, you're going to go to jail. I mean, that's a misconception. That's that's not true, at least not in their state. Uh, so you've taken on the role, and you're wearing a lot of hats. You're a teacher. You're a counselor. You're a, you're, you're somebody's clergy. You're, uh, it, it's it, everything falls back on the police. And with today's with today's uh, the, the rapid expansion of, of what we now call our mental health crisis in this country, a lot of that falls back on us too to do assessments in the field, to figure out where people are supposed to go or what we're supposed to do with them. Um, and and uh, uh, there's even an expectation, a theory out there now that they want us to do some pre-arrest screening to figure out whether this person really needs to be arrested or they 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 you need to get them into some type of other resource. Well, we don't always have those resources, and those resources aren't always available. Uh, unfortunately, for a lot of things, the only thing that's really available to us is is the jail. So you see this revolving problem of people going into the jail for for disorderly conduct and minor issues, and it's and then the courts are kicking them back out, and a day or two later they're back in for the same thing, and, and it's really a mental health issue. It's it's a problem that's out of law enforcement's hands to be able to deal with. But until somebody comes up with a real solution, we we're not gonna we're not gonna end up uh, uh, seeing an end to it. It's it is right now. It is our problem to deal with. Yeah, you, you talked about how when it's the offenders that get released and then get they reoffend, their recidivism rate is actually really high. It's like in high eighties or low nineties for them to repeat the the crime. So, I, let me tell you, what was the question? Oh, I was talking about the, the, the recidivism rate of a criminal coming out into the public and coming back into jail because of doing the same crime or another crime. The recidivism rate is really high, from what I understand. And, and, it's, and it's common in every community. There's a, there's a really good uh, documentary out of Seattle called Seattle is Dying. And um, it, it's a one-hour documentary documentary that, that just talks about the well they're referring to a homeless in in, in, in a um, in a drug problem drug and alcohol problem that's going on in Seattle but it, it's going on in every town in America I mean that this it, it, and it's it just it depends on the size of your community as to how big the problem is um, it's it's very it, it's significant here in Missoula considering our, the size of our population 
but with the combination of um, drug and alcohol issues along with mental illness and not ha- not having enough resources i mean our our jail has has been a, a revolving door we can't we can't tie up and occupy every one of our beds regardless of what you see on live tv or elsewhere if you if you look at the uniform crime report from a, a year ago or two years ago Missoula had the highest growth rate in violent crime of anywhere in the country. Um, we have, for the last seven or eight years in a row, we have the highest suicide rate in the nation in the state of Montana. And uh, Missoula is always at the top of what up in Montana. We have, uh, uh, when it comes to uh, alcohol-related crashes, fatalities, um, we're way up at the top of things. So I mean, we got a lot of different, a, lo- a lot of different real. Uh, violent crime, serious crime type of things going on that we need our beds for and being occupied by um, people with alcohol, drug problems that the ones that the recidivism thing that you just mentioned are occupying a lot of those spaces and it, it has been a problem for us. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I mean, I don't mean to go run on and on and on about that, but if you look, if you look across the country and watch what's happened, with uh, the growth of and the increase of methamphetamine and heroin use, we're we're no we're no exception. Uh, we uh, the, the the number of of crimes that we have related to those the, the cartels have reached every every little nook and cranny of of America. They the, the, their ability to be able to to get those types of drugs into our community affect our communities uh, is significant. And that has, when you when you're talking about the the problems related to methamphetamine and heroin use, you're also contributing to all of the other types of crimes that increases everything else that's out there. Your um, your violent assaults, your your robberies, your burglaries, um, even your misdemeanor thefts. It's 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 all connected. It, uh, that I, that's that's the nucleus of what what some of the biggest problems are. And again, we we ran out of jail space. We we're constantly running at capacity, and that's the same thing that's going on all across the country. Wow, yeah. I mean, in Oklahoma City, we have a prison population as well, and they released a, quite a few inmates, um, I think, late last fall. And so I, I don't know if they've been out long enough. The criminals have been, I don't know, be politically correct, but the former criminals they got released i don't know the recidivism rate for repeat offenders yes i i don't have a an answer to that but i do know that we have a population that's too populated for that overcrowding yeah and again it's a it's something that's common in in communities all across this country it's uh the 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 Overcrowding problem has oftentimes been addressed with wanting to increase and create new programs, uh, alternative programs to to put people back out on the streets. Um, I'm not saying there's not people that can benefit from those. Uh, anybody's capable of getting into a bad situation and making mistakes, but you're at least I have recognized some people that have taken advantage of those programs and now are utilizing those and saying. Hey, I know I can get away with this because as soon as I go into court, all I have to say is that, and I'll be thrown into one of these programs. So there's not really a consequence for the actions. Uh, I think one of the biggest things we've gotten away from in this country is 
we call our jails detention centers or correctional centers. And it, I, I'm not saying it's not a good opportunity to place for, for corrective actions and, and try to help people with some alternatives. But it's something to remember is that jails are also uh, put in place, jails and prisons are also put in place to segregate dangerous people from our populations and to impose a punishment or a penalty for wrongdoing. Just like when you were a kid and got in trouble with your parents, you got grounded. It wasn't it wasn't a corrective action, it was a punishment. You had to go to your room or you, you know, had couldn't have your dinner, or whatever, whatever it was in your household. There was a it was a punitive action. It wasn't always just necessarily a corrective action. And we have gotten away from that, kind of forgot about that in the country. That that's that's actually a really solid point and well explained. I I've been trying to think of a way to articulate that, and I think you just you just nailed it. Well done. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time, and it's it's frustrating because you you see a lot of people with good intentions trying to solve the problem, and really just forgetting that that there is there is an alternative purpose, and they try to be politically correct. Detention center, correctional facility, it's jail. It, <laughs> Call it what it is. Let's go back to Monopoly. It's jail. Yeah. A I L. I mean, it's jail. And one of the reasons that you're there is you did wrong. Uh, there's a penalty to pay. Um, it's one of the interesting the interesting things that comes out of that documentary out of, out of Seattle is that uh, uh, there's there's a there's a state and a program in the Northeast that they really work off that principle and philosophy. They want to help people. And they've had some really high success rates. But one of the principles is they start with punitive action. Look, you did wrong. You have to, you have to, you have to pay your penance. You, you, you're going to, you're going to take your punishment first. And once that punishment is, uh, is fulfilled, then we're going to go into the programs instead of starting with the programs and forgetting all about the punishment. It's, it's, uh, like I said, it's, and, and for a one-hour program, it really puts things in perspective, and it's it's very accurate as to what you see going across, going on across the country. Right on. You, earlier, you talked about the detail, security detail. You got to work with Secret Service agents, and you got to work detail for Bernie Sanders, and then, of course, President Trump. Did you ever get to meet Bernie Sanders in person and shake his hand and President Trump? I did, and on. Uh, in both cases, in fact, when when the primaries were starting early this year and Bernie was the front runner, I was I was uh, I had two pictures saved on my phone side by side because um, I was wanting to I would flip them back and forth saying that I you know, that in, in a matter of two years I was standing with Bernie by his airplane and I was uh, after after uh, President Trump did one of his rallies here in Missoula I had an opportunity to meet and speak with him for a few minutes so I had those two photos side by side. And uh, it was kind of a fun talking point that, uh, that within the last couple of years, I've got to meet both of these both of these candidates. Dick Bernie has fallen off and probably is out of that, but it was fun to talk about while uh, while it was going on. Yeah, with uh, President Trump, there was his presence. I mean, when you talked to him, was it pretty strong, pretty confident? You know, one of the yes, uh, one of the I guess there were a couple of things that I was very surprised by. I'm uh, I'm six foot two. Um, I'm not a small guy by any means. You might think so on live PD because everybody I work with is anywhere from six ten to six six. I look I look like the little guy all the time, 
but I'm not little. And uh, I was I was seeing him on TV and um, over the years on different things. I did not expect him. He's taller than I am. Um, the president's probably between six three and six four. Uh, his his uh, his presence um, it's is it is not what you see on TV. Uh, what I had an opportunity to do is I just thank him for his support with in law enforcement. Like him, love him, hate him, whatever your what are your stance is on on the president. He's a strong supporter of law enforcement, and uh, uh, that's really what I that's really when I had the opportunity to talk to him. That's what I wanted to say to him is is to thank him for the support and thank you for having our backs when when maybe necessarily the mainstream media doesn't and and i don't i'm not, i don't mean to slam them i mean they're in business they're looking for what what it is that's going to sell newspapers or bring interest to them they're not gonna, they're not going you're not going to see until the six o'clock news every night about some cop who, who you know uh it did, did his job every day on a routine value they're looking for the, the the shock factor but uh you know um in the whole, in the in, in the course of my conversation with him, when I just said I I would like to extend some gratitude and, and and say thank you and how much we appreciate your support and your constant communication and, and support for law enforcement. You're, you're you're a vocal advocate for law enforcement, and uh, I mean it was it was in a very sincere way. He looked at me and says, "And I'm not going to stop." And uh, it, it was it was. Uh, it was he's been accused a lot of not being very presidential, but uh, in that moment, he was very presidential to me. I, 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 I thought the world of a guy just for saying those things. That's awesome. I, I, and I don't know as far as the quote unquote, what, a, what presidential looks like. My thought is as long as the president has our back as a CEO of our country and he's, he's doing what he's, feel like to protect us as a whole, then that's, that's presidential to me. Yeah. Somebody once uh, recently said to me, um, have you ever won a political argument? And it made me think, um, no, I, I really haven't. So, I mean, we're, we both, I mean, we all have different sides and we all have different beliefs. Uh, and I respect the beliefs of others. My dad and I are, we couldn't be any more opposite politically and it's constant friction between us. And after, after that person said to me, have you ever won a political argument? I decided at that point, I'm no longer going to have these debates with my dad. We can have discussions and have, and have discussions about, but I, I'm not going to change his mind. He's not going to change mine. So politics uh, <laughs> is one of those tough things. You either, you're pretty, it's very rare that it's very rare that somebody's going to change your mind through argument or through debate on political issues. Yeah. I, I agree. I 100% agree that it's it's not going to change their mind. I'm always just curious to hear different perspectives of whether it's a liberal perspective, conservative res uh, perspective. I'm, I'm I'm just curious to hear the the back and forth. So, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no discussion of religion or politics, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you wanted to, this is your show. You're more than welcome to talk about it. I'll listen. <laughs> well, I'll say about politics related to law enforcement. You you see, I'm not saying I'm not speaking for all of law enforcement, but you you'll see more conservative ideologies 
supported law enforcement. And I, I think it really kind of goes all the way back to what we were talking about related to uh, having consequences for actions. Uh, police officers are out there, sheriff's deputies, state troopers are out there on a daily basis, um, you know, working their tails off to to make their community safe. And it's a pretty frustrating thing to um, uh, work a case from beginning to end, put together a really good case and present it to a prosecutor just to have them uh, decline prosecution um, because the jails are too full or 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 to have a really good case and see something, um, a really sweet plea agreement come out. Uh, and those, a lot of, again, I'm not saying that's all a, a liberal ideal, but it, a lot of those things fall onto that side of the of politics, and so you you can kind of you can kind of feel that division and divide in law enforcement. You, you see a lot of law enforcement officers, uh, at least in my experience, um, falling on the more conservative side of things and having a more conservative view. Uh, I certainly uh, believe that's the case for me. That that my job and my career has shaped my 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 political beliefs and uh, it's it's always always been the more conservative side of things that it has that i thought would not not just serve me but but benefit our communities and what we're trying to do as as law enforcement officers and keeping our community safe yeah no i i, I get it and I, I, i'm with you it's, for me it's basic and simple don't break the rules and don't break the laws and you'll be fine great line out of liar liar <laughs> I've never seen the movie, but that's what they said. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's it's Jim Jim Carrey. Yeah, look it up. It's liar liar. There's yeah, it's <laughs> you, you paraphrase it, but that's basically what he said. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, because I mean, that's what my mom and dad would always say. I mean, don't break the rules, don't break the laws. I mean, then you won't get in trouble. You'll be fine. It it, uh, it it's it's pretty safe bet and a pretty good philosophy to follow. <laughs> Yeah, so let's move on to your personal life a little bit. Just like, what are a couple things that no one really knows about Captain Burt? You know, when I was uh, younger, growing up, I, one of the things I, I, uh, one of my passions living in Montana, going out with my dad as a young kid and even a teenager, I was an avid hunter. Um, we have two different, well, actually three different types of seasons if you want to talk about birds. Uh, but I was really an avid archery hunter. I was an archery hunter before archery hunting was popular. Um, did a lot of, uh, after the archery season, there's a big game rifle season. And I used to really enjoy that. I enjoyed that with my dad and my brothers and, and friends for years. Uh, I still am not opposed to hunting. Um, I, uh, still like to get out. I still like to interact with wildlife. I just, one of the things that happened to me, um, probably about 10 or 12 years ago is I really just personally lost an interest for, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not opposed to people hunting, but personally I lost the desire to ever kill anything that I don't actually need to kill. If I had to go fend for, myself and, and, and get a meal, um, I, I, I know I, I would know how to do it and I would know where to do it. Uh, I just, I think as a result of, I lost my mom in a very tragic way. 
And about the same time, I became a coroner and started dealing with a lot of issues surrounding death and surrounding uh, loss. And, um, you know, I, I, I all of a sudden became, I had a different, I, I don't know, changed my values a little bit. Um, again, uh, for a third time, I don't oppose it. I'm not bagging on people who, who, who enjoy that as an activity. But for me, the thrill of that, of, of killing something that I don't need to kill disappeared. Uh, uh, having said that, I love the outdoors. I am, it, it doesn't, uh, and, I'm, and this is where I'm a, kind of a conservative. I, people ask me what I like to do. I like to burn dead dinosaurs. Uh, I'm a fossil fuel user. I, um, I like my ATVs. I like my boats. I like, I like motorcycles. I have a Harley Davidson motorcycle. I have uh, side by sides, a four wheeler. And my biggest passion, the thing that I love more than all of that, I would give up everything else, is backcountry snowmobiling. Uh, there is, it is the closest thing to flying that you can possibly imagine without leaving the ground to get back in a place where you can't imagine anybody else has ever been, especially. Uh, in some of these mountain peaks in Montana where you can you can see a hundred miles in every direction. There's a place, there is a place that I have where I can see five different mountain ranges that are all about a hundred miles away. And and uh it's there it, you you could not really get there very easily. I don't think you can get there on a horse in the summer. These are you know the cliffs and the peaks and things are, are filled up with snow and create slopes and ways to get into there that it would be very difficult to do. And so it provides an opportunity to see God's creation in a way that, that is, unless you have a pilot's license and can do it from a helicopter and airplane, it is, it is something that's pretty unique. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. Sounds really cool. It's incredible. What are a couple of questions that you wish people would actually ask you, but no one ever asked? Oh boy, I wish this, was a, this one was something you would have prepped me with. I, I don't know that uh, I don't know that I've ever uh, really been hit with something or, or or wanted to express something that I that I haven't been able to express in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, I've had lots of questions about it. Funniest calls, uh, uh, worst calls. Most unique calls, uh, and, and it's it's hard to answer those questions in this job because things that I might find funny might not necessarily be funny to they're they're going to strike people in a different manner and and uh, I think a lot of people have heard about the, you know, things like uh, heard heard the term black humor. There's a lot of that in law enforcement. It's a way to deal with stress and anxiety over things. Um, uh, things that I might find funny might not necessarily be funny to somebody who works in a pharmacy. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think I hear, here's one that I'll share that I, I think that somebody once asked me, uh, what was my very favorite excuse for, uh, for somebody that was speeding. And, uh, I stopped a guy that was, uh, uh like, um, he was in excess of the speed limit by double. He was like 70 and a 35. And it took me a while to catch up with him and get him stopped. And as I was approaching the vehicle, it was an older 70s model Chevy pickup truck. 
And uh, if anybody remembers those, the rocker panels on the doors, if you, that's kind of the, the era of truck that I was driving when I was in high school. If you spilled a beer in there, it's went right through the rocker panels, not the door. And so as I was approaching the vehicle, I could see that there was liquid pouring out through the vehicle. I'm thinking, ah, this guy's, this guy just dropped his beer and he's got his beer down by the door and it spilled. And, and I'm uh, thinking probably a DUI. As I'm approaching the vehicle and got up alongside, he laid his, just laid out in his, in, in, in his sincerely and as mortified as he could possibly look. He said, I'm sorry, sir. I'm just trying to get home my colostomy bag, bro. And I never spent a second even questioning that. I was like, carry on. Uh, if that, if that was a true story and it happened, uh, I did the right thing. If, if it was, if, if it was something he was just telling me to get out of the ticket, that was uh, absolutely probably one of the best excuses that, that anybody could have come up with. Wow. I, I've never heard that one. So that, that one, that one wins. <laughs> what uh what makes you seem really mellow and even killed does anything ever tick you off mm -hmm. <laughs> i think early in my career uh frustrations with with people who are uh simply just refuse to follow the rules or somebody who wants to get in my face or even the face of a, a fellow deputy who is just doing his job, I, I, I could get my ire up a little bit. Um, the uh, what I've learned over the years, and, and, and it's again, it's I started in 1992, is that as soon as you as soon as you lose that bit of control, as soon as you you your ire gets to a point where you lost control of your your voice command and and, and your presence, they've won. Dave, you, you, you soon, you start to become angry. You start to become mad. Uh, physiological things happen. Uh, certain amounts of audio or auditory exclusion start to occur. Vision starts to narrow down and you're not so, you're not so aware of your surroundings. Uh, just a couple of things that I've utilized over the years to just break that because you can feel it happen. Um, you know, walk up to a window and have somebody crack their window about two inches and, and start handing their license through the window and, 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 and doing these these uh, these techniques to to frustrate law enforcement, and then just to take a step back, take a breath, and start to and just recognize what it is that people are trying to do, what they're what they're trying to draw you in and trap you into. Uh, it's if you if you fall into that trap, man, you're letting them win. Mm. Um, uh, you know some of the other things. Um, People that hurt kids, people that are hurting kids, man, you just you just can't let your emotions uh, overcome what you're doing when you're dealing with people that are that are hurting animals or hurting kids. You just have to try to deal with it and step, take a step back. If you feel yourself starting to become angry or or ticked off about something, to take a step back and 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 not make an ass out of yourself, not let them win. I can think of one particular thing that happened in life where a, a couple of people hit a deer out in the road, uh, totally disabled their car. The deer got up, ran away, it was snooping around the other side of the road. And I was I was looking for the deer uh, to make sure that it didn't end up back. It was something I was sure I was going to have to put down. And I was uh, making sure that it didn't end up back up on the roadway. I was utilizing some lights uh, and had some guy pull up uh, in the in the opposite direction. He started, he obviously knew I was law enforcement because of the lights and he's screaming profanities at me about the lights. Um, I was mad. 
And initially, based on what he said, he slowed down, stopped in the middle of the roadway, created a hazard, and is using screaming profanities at the cops for trying to keep. And so that, that made me mad. Uh, I immediately spun around, uh, went to chase him down, made a traffic stop, and was able to utilize some of the exercises to just calm myself. Walked up and started and started talking to him, but utilized some of the exercises just in in some of the experience just to not let him uh, make an ass. I didn't let I didn't let him use his actions to make an ass out of me. And so, um, simply had a conversation with my head of intention of writing some tickets. Um, it, it, it does constitute disorderly conduct in the state of Montana. It's not a free speech issue. Um, stopping in, in the in, in the flow of traffic and the passing lane on a freeway was was another reason to stop them. But being able to just keep calm, have a conversation with him, somebody who was mad at me a few minutes ago, if I had approached him and we got into a big screaming match about what's right and what's wrong, nothing would have got accomplished. He would have got some tickets. He would all have been found guilty, and and uh, he lost some money out of his out of his wallet. Instead. Right. I took it as an opportunity to, to stay calm, make it a positive experience. In the end, he's shaking my hand and saying, you know what? I'm sorry. That was, uh, that, that was, that was, I was, that was totally uncalled for. And then I think the, the final thing I can say to answer that question is remember that we've all had bad days. You know, usually when law enforcement is getting called to any scene, you know, a, a, a domestic or dealing with problems with your kids or um, marital issues, whatever it happens to be, having a mindset going in that these people are really having a difficult time right and you might be dealing with somebody who's emotionally is a little bit amped up right now and just trying to trying to bring people back down to a level of conversation where 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 you're not trying to control the situation through um, force or fear of force or trying to no, nothing ever gets accomplished that way. No, no, nobody wins in those situations. So, uh, I, I think a lot of it is just experience and and in knowing uh, over the years what kind of things have worked and have not worked. But I also think it's a little bit of the culture here in Missoula that that we're not and and, and in Montana that you you're not going. People here are very self sufficient. Very, uh, you know, they take care of themselves. You get in their face. They're going to get back in your face, and it's it's just going to escalate. It doesn't work for us. Yeah. Long answer. I'm sorry, but it's there's a lot there's a lot to that question. No, that, that that's good. And the the traffic stop, you were able to gather yourself. Then this guy that got pulled over gathered himself because of because of you, and now he's probably passed that on forward. So I mean that that's awesome that you were able to do that for him. You know, there's a, a funny spinoff of that is we never, uh, it was a, it turned out to be a very cause, positive contact, but some of these uh, First Amendment groups have contacted our office since then and tried to create a problem and how it was an illegal stop on my behalf. It's a First Amendment issue. People can swear at the cops. And well, it's pretty, it's pretty simple and, and uh, it's pretty well spelled out in statute in the state of Montana that you can't use loud, abusive, and profane language uh, in public. And uh, it's not necessarily a free speech issue. And the other issue that they didn't even consider before making their complaint is this man brought his vehicle to a near stop on a, on a, on a U.S. highway in a 65-mile-an-hour zone 
to be able to stop and start swearing at the police. Um, that is a, a, it's a it, it goes way beyond disorderly conduct. What he's doing is reckless and it's endangering yeah. the public. Simply, he simply cannot do what he was doing. But it's it did it did create a bit of a spinoff. And those those are I guess trolls. Those are the kind of some of the things that. But it's been very little. There's very little negative that's gone on in yeah. his life. The positive has been uh, exponentially higher number. Of, I'd say you get 25 or 30, and maybe even more, uh, upwards of 50 positive comments for every negative comment that's out there. It was that whole that whole experience was withdrawal. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And also on the First Amendment, you, they say it's you, you got the freedom of speech, et cetera. And obviously in Montana, you, you guys have a, a part of that where it's like, well, hold on a second. But at the end of the day, if you just – there's an unwritten rule of respect. And just be respectful on your freedom of speech, if you will. You're going to say something. Yeah, and in that particular case, if somebody wants to call me a name or swear at me or, or do whatever because they think my lights are too bright or whatever, I'm not going to get. I'm not going to. I'm not going to take that too personal. It was the context context in which he did it. Right. There's these people on the side of the road um, who just went through a traumatic experience. Uh, there's other motorists that are on the roadway, and he's stopping and, and yelling and screaming. What about their rights? I mean, uh, what about the, why? Why should they have to be exposed to his? His profanity, uh, I, I shouldn't be able to, whether I'm whether I'm a law enforcement acting as a private citizen, why should I be able to go out and, and, and use speech that's inflammatory and angry uh, to offend others? And I, I, that whole free speech issue is a slippery slope. You don't want to, uh, I, I believe in our, I believe in our constitution. What's interesting in Montana is we have a lot of, a lot of, the Montana Constitution is um, more restrictive than the U.S. Constitution. There are more rights granted in the, in the Montana Constitution than there are in the U.S. Constitution. It's it's more restrictive to law enforcement and more more liberal to to uh, citizens of Montana. You'll see uh, all across all across the country on Life TV where uh, people are doing probable cause searches, cops are doing probable cause searches of vehicles. It's 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 for, developed from something called the Carroll Doctrine. We can't do that here because of the heightened expectation of privacy that our Constitution requires. If we're going to see something there, we have to take some extra steps. We're usually requiring a warrant, a warrant or or consent. And consent is again, that's it's got to be clear, uh, a clear consent uh, as, as to what our intent is and what what their rights are before a consent is, is, is given. So um, Montana is, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I, I like that about our state. I believe in the constitution. That's why I do this job. I'm, it's, it, it's, it's my guideline. It's my rule book, so to speak. Uh, and so I'm not out there trying to violate anybody's free speech. I'm not trying to violate anybody's fourth amendment rights or 14th. I'm not, I'm not, we're not out there trying to violate people's rights. We're just trying to keep people safe and keep them following the rules. Yeah. You, I love that. You, I mean, I feel like you obviously know your rules and laws and you're really sharp because you have this, 
I feel like you have a sharp mindset. So with that being said, what are some of your habits that help sharpen your mindset? I don't know that I really have any of those anymore. I, as a younger guy, I liked to to stay steady in Montana codes. We just acronym is MCA. Um, I mentioned disorderly conduct earlier. Disorderly conduct is is a very common statute, and it's something that was uh, a law that's very it, it's broad and and it, it's kind of a catch-all and captures a lot of different things. But having worked in law enforcement in Montana, my first part of my career was in Idaho, but the vast majority of my career has been in Montana. Um, uh, uh, recognizing and, and rereading some of those some of those criminal statutes, uh, you can. It, it's amazing that even today I can have a new situation come up and see how uh, that statute can apply where it, I never considered it before. Um, the other the other uh, thing that I can say about that is that. Um, Staying up on case law, you know, we have, you have the Montana Supreme Court, you have the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and the U.S. Supreme Court that are, that are constant. Laws of the land are, are the laws is something that's alive. It has, it, it, it's constantly evolving based on, oh, well, look, look what we're going through right now um, with COVID. Mm. Uh, the, the, there have been, and this is not criminal, so this is more on the civil side of things, but just as an example. There have been so many HIPAA laws, uh, and everybody has been so afraid of HIPAA for the last uh, however many years that they you can't get a you can't get a healthcare facility to tell even though they're allowed to you can't get them to tell a coroner what kind of conditions a person had uh, to that might have contributed to their death, which is which is statutorily required for them to do because they're so afraid of HIPAA. But look at what COVID and, and coronavirus has done. Not in every state, not in every community, but in in a lot of in a lot of different places, especially like in, in, in Montana, where HIPAA kind of went out the window a little bit with this, and we're more concerned with the the public health crisis than we are. A, we'll deal we'll deal with that. We'll deal with the HIPAA issues later on. If our health department, or and it's not just it's not just us, but this is becoming kind of a trend in different places where. If there's a new exposure, a new positive test that's come out, they're going to start sharing that information with incident management teams and law enforcement to find out, have our first responders been in contact with this person? And have they been exposed? And do we need to start taking steps to start screening those folks? And so that's just an example I can think of where where uh, uh, current issues require laws to change. and and. We, we see it happen in all aspects, both criminal and uncivil. And it's happened, well, uh, it's, it's happened since, the, since our Constitution yeah. came into existence. Yeah. Speaking of COVID-19, how are you dealing with it as far as maybe yourself and then as a sheriff's office? Well, uh, we're, we're very fortunate. And I'd say that we're close to Seattle, but it's not like we're right next door, but I mean, it's our closest major city. Right. And really, when, when, the, when the coronavirus hit uh, hit this country, Seattle was one of the places that was immediately dealing with the crisis. I live in a very proactive community as far as uh, not just our, just our law enforcement, but our, uh, our health department and 
uh, or have an incident management teams in place. Uh, mentioned the health department and our county commissioners, um, the sheriff, his command staff, and the support services staff. So when 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 we saw things starting to happen, we immediately started following and figuring out what best practices were and paying attention to what the CD was saying, CDC was saying and, and, and getting, getting people in place for those things. Um, as a result, you know, they really talked earlier about doing what you can to flatten the curve, to keep, to keep your number of exposures. We know we're going to have exposures, but try to spread that out over a period of time. This is opposed to all, having them all at once. Right. And so we got on board really early on with, with, uh, getting our first responders uh, practicing the, uh, the the social distancing or not not necessarily being right on top of each other and, and using some practices, making sure that they have the personal protective equipment to, to protect themselves against um, with people that they're coming in contact with, um, uh, utilizing changing schedules. I know with our command staff and our support services staff, they divided them up into halves and sometimes even quarters to where if one segment that had to be at the office had to be in places that were exposed, there was another section of people or another group of people that were either working from home or working uh, remotely that, that, that were uh, in a safer environment that could in in case something like that started to happen. As a result, and, and I, think, I think you get the picture, but as a result, uh, the state of Montana, as of yesterday, had less than less than 225 positive cases, and that's with a population of just over a million people. Uh, there, uh, in Missoula County, which is a population of about 119,000, um, there were 21 or uh, 21 or 22 positive cases just in our county, and uh, uh, statewide, um, I think. Are I, I don't I don't want to discount the horribleness of the losing people to, to to this horrible pandemic, but realistically, we've had I think six deaths as of yesterday, and and so getting on top of this early and and uh, being proactive about it, uh, and 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 also having a community that was willing to help out uh, the, the business owners. I mean, everybody suffered from this, right? Restaurants. Uh, I mean, look at my hair. I haven't had a haircut in in, in six weeks. I it, it's it's uh my hair hasn't been this long in a long time. Uh, everybody's suffering from a little bit, but with the cooperation of our of our local business owners and people keeping keeping a personal distance from others, we've we've been pretty fortunate here in Missoula. That's awesome. I love hearing that. And you talk about the proactive steps and, and your, your leadership, the, the town's leadership, city's leadership. And then the most important, one of the most important pieces is the sense of community getting on board and doing that too. We, and I'm just going to take an opportunity here. It would probably embarrass him a little bit if he ever were to see this, but it, 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 I just want to give a little plug to, to Sheriff McDermott. It, it, he, uh, He's not the only, he's not the Lone Ranger in this sense. Most people who are either chiefs or, or sheriffs in this country at this time have never faced anything like this. They have never, they have never had to gear up for something like this. Um, 
what I liked and appreciated about him is he took a very active role and made some really hard decisions early on about what we were going to do with our jail, how decisions that were not not necessarily popular with our, our, our law enforcement partners about what kind of offenses we were going to book for. Uh, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, he got out front of it, he made a decision, and it hasn't been in stone. He's been flexible and working as as this issue has gone on, being either more flexible or more stringent based on what, what the needs are. Because the primary thing, we have to keep our detention officers safe. If, we, if, if, if this gets into our jails and all of a sudden we have about 110 detention officers, if all of a sudden we have 60 of them that are down sick, what do we do? I mean, right. you, we, I, I, don't, I don't know how you replace, I don't know how you replace them. So uh, uh, I, I had hats off to them for, for getting on top of this and, and being a leader in our community and, and, uh, and taking a role uh, out front, leading, leading from out front and making some tough decisions that, that may not have been necessarily popular. Hats off to all uh, law enforcement leaders, uh, chiefs, sheriffs all over the country that, who have, they weren't able to work off of other people's experiences because nothing like this has ever happened in, in, uh, in modern day law enforcement. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, hats off to law enforcement for sure. And, you know, you talk about the frontline doctors, nurses, uh, truck drivers, agricultural department, supplying food. I mean, that supply chain, big. Pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's changed the way that just about everybody's operating. Yeah. What, uh, what's Captain Bird most proud of? I have, I have two boys. Um, you know, they're they're both they're twenty three and twenty. Um, they're they're successful in what they're doing. My oldest son's a detention officer, which might explain why I uh, don't want don't want bad things to happen over at the over at the jail. I want him to stay healthy. My youngest son is uh, going to school for mechanical engineering and. And has uh, for the last year has been doing some work for NASA, including an internship at Huntsville. He's uh, uh, he's on the forefront of things. Uh, just uh, being 20 years old and having a foothold on the world like he does. Uh, wow! Just I'm super super proud of both of them for their for their achievements as professionally, but it pales in comparison to how I feel for him. Um, how proud I am of of, of the men that they are. Uh, I often say that, that these these two kids, um, they've never caused me an ounce of trouble. I, all through school, I, they they both work hard through school. They never never got a day of detention. Never had complaints from teachers. Uh, they no, nothing but positive comments from from coworkers or, or or friends about what what good kids they are, how polite they are, and uh, it, bottom line is. Those two boys have more character and integrity in their little finger than 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 most people. Most people I know they are they are good men, and I don't know that that's I don't know that that's all due to me. Um, in fact, I, it, it has a lot to do with their mom as well. Uh, but they are they are my they are without a doubt my greatest accomplishment and the thing that I'm most proud of. That's awesome. How does Captain Burt? want to be remembered 
if I could probably if I could uh, uh, trim it down to one word, uh, introspective that I that I'm, I may not have always done things right, and I may not have always done things the right way, but I I did come around or I have come around and figured out a, a way to to self-examine, um, you know who I who I am, the mistakes I made, and how to improve on on my myself as a person, whether it be as a son or a dad, um, insert any any relative title you want to there, uh, and even as a even as a law enforcement officer. I feel like I've used that to try to better myself in in uh in, in some areas it took a little longer to come around than others, but I it, it was uh I'd like to be remembered as somebody who's who, who could reflect and be very be very honest with himself. Man, uh I love it. This this has been an amazing just hour or so for me to hear this to be doing this podcast and listening to your testimony your 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 journeys uh, what you're proud of i wish that maybe one day i'll get to just come meet you sometime that'd be awesome uh, or like or vice versa i i uh i drove through oklahoma not that long ago when i was moving my son down to huntsville uh, oh wow so i Nothing to say that I won't be doing that again in the future. Okay. Well, if you do, please let us know and we'll we'll find a way to meet you somewhere and have lunch or breakfast or a coffee or something. Well, other than that, I'm pretty easy to find around here. So it would be <laughs> it would be my pleasure. I'll, I'll take you to the I'll take you to the depot for some prime rib. Oh, I love it. But how far are you here from Bozeman, by the way? Uh drive time about three and a half hours. So okay. It's it's roughly 210 miles. Okay. I'm just asking because my father-in-law went or he went to Montana Tech out in Bozeman or something like that. That's why I ask. So Bozeman is home of the Montana State University. Montana State. Okay. Then Missoula is the University of Montana, both the state university systems. And then Montana Tech is in Butte, which is in, in between the two, which is where, where my youngest son that a rocket scientist is, is actually enrolled in school. <laughs> That's awesome because my father-in-law, he's a geophysicist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Two more questions. So the first one is how do our followers and listeners get in touch with you? Like no cell phone number, but email or Twitter, obviously. Well, so our, our email is, is on our, I believe it's on our, our Missoula County website. Um, it's the extension is all the same. It's uh, for for every deputy, every employee. It's it, everything is at Missoula County, all spelled out. dot us, um, and then every for whoever, whichever employee you might be looking for, it's their first initial last name. So mine happens to be B Bert at Missoula County. us um, on uh, on on Facebook. I'm at MCSD, which is for Missoula County Sheriff's Department four zero nine. Uh, at at gmail.com. That would be my personal address. That's all the way to find me on Facebook. And then just my name on, on Facebook. On Twitter, uh, it's it's uh, at Bill, capitalized, underscore, Bert, capitalized, underscore, 409. 
Um, the four zero nine is is uh, is is my badge number. Um, I recently had a question about how those are how those are established. Uh, interesting fact is that Montana's got uh, Montana's fifty six counties. When the counties were established, uh, they were assigned to numbers based on their based on the size of the population at the time. The bill was number four, and so uh, that's what that is. The reason that our badges start with four. Um, it was the fourth largest population when the counties when the counties were established. That's interesting. You, your area code you called me from is four hundred six. Yes. And Oklahoma's area code, Oklahoma City, is four hundred five. I know. I'm a big street outlaws fan, and so I watch the four hundred five all the time. Yeah. <laughs> when you first called, I was like four hundred six. Who's this? But then it says Montana. So I was like, oh yeah. Captain Burt. Last question for you, Captain. Do you approve this podcast? Say again? This is the last question for you. Do you approve this podcast? Uh, you know what? I had a tremendous amount of fun doing this. Uh, after such a stressful week and everything that's going on, and uh, this is this has been something that's really helped me relax. I, I absolutely do, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to do this. It's, 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 it, this time has flown by. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate it. We'll uh, get this all not when we say edited, probably just compress the data. But as far as from the beginning to end, it was as awesome, as powerful and as authentic. So I appreciate you, Captain. Alexa, turn on light too. Sorry, I'm losing light here. Oh, <laughs> hey. start, starting to lose light pretty quick. But I meant to do that a bit ago. So. <laughs> You, you have good light in your in your room. I just it started to get dark here. Yeah, it got it got dark pretty quick around seven forty nine eight o'clock. So I turn on the uh, backlight, podcasting light. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, clean this data up, and then do you want to see us before we release it? Do you want to hear it before uh, we release it? No, I whatever you end up doing, you're good. I don't. I didn't. I don't think I called any anybody any bad names or anything. No. Nah. <laughs> it was good well thank you for your service captain appreciate you you guys stay safe your whole department stay safe and take care you too take care all right thank you sir bye bye i truly hope you enjoyed this podcast if you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share please reach out to me i would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast here's how to find me visit my website www.definingmomentspod.com Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast. podcast.